Welcome back, everybody, to the Innovative Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stickle. With me, as always, is Stephanie Hurd. Hello. Talking leadership, talking business, small, medium business mostly, um, kind of the realm we're in here. And uh, we're back with another guest from Innovative. Uh, happy to, to stay in-house. we got a lot of fun people here, a lot of interesting folks to talk to, a lot of good leaders. That's probably the most important part. Uh, Alex Samuel is here with us today. Hello. Um, Alex has been with Innovative for for how many how many years now? Fourteen years. Fourteen years. Um, probably. I mean, yeah, one of the longest tenured mm-hmm. here at Innovative. Uh, you just want to tell us about yourself real quick, what you do, and, sure. and how, how you're doing, how you're feeling going into <laughs> this experience. <laughs> um, well, this is gonna be my first podcast uh, recording, so I'm nervous, of course, but um, you know. So you guys have done a pretty good job uh, uh, prepping me. So I've got some <laughs> notes. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, so currently, uh, I, I essentially, in a nutshell, oversee the the technical department. The so all the technicians, the managed services, the um, server backups, and server monitoring, and project team, anything that's technical. Um, essentially, they report to me, and I oversee it. Gotcha. So for better or for worse. We're going to pull you out of that today. Okay. <laughs> the, te- the technical side, at right, least. Right. Um, we want to really sit down and talk with you about really your journey to where you're at, being a leader, yep. um, obviously, in the name of the podcast, um, how you how you grew into this role, mm-hmm. um, some things you learned along the way, some tips you can offer some other people. Um, if we just want to start back at the beginning here, uh, you said 14 years. Yes. What was your first role with Innovative? How did that go getting that job? How much experience did you kind of have in that? Do you want to get into your origin a little bit? Sure, absolutely. So I um, was finishing up college and didn't really want to stick with the field I was in going uh, with, a, with for my major. But um, so I, I knew I needed to get into a, a new field. And I knew I always liked computers. I, I knew computers. Um, and I, I just wanted to get into the field. So um, the first thing I did was um, I, I looked up the most, um, the strongest certifications uh, in the industry. Uh, so this is around 2006. And at, at that time, uh, the MCSA, the MCSE, and the CCNA were kind of the big names, the Microsoft certifications and the Cisco certifications. So I essentially went to a boot camp, got uh, my MCSA uh, 2000 and 2003, and then MCSE 2000 and 2003. So we're talking, I'd say, 10 to 12 exams. Uh, just you know, complete, just <laughs> fun. <laughs> eat, sleep, study, yep, and do nothing else. And I did attempt my CCNA at that time, but um, didn't didn't pass it at that at that time. But eventually, later on, did get that as well. Um, so 2006, got my certs, no job. Um, so essentially, I did a couple odd jobs for the first uh, first couple years of my career, so to speak. Um, and then we moved to this area, the Hagerstown, Maryland area, uh, in 2008. Um, all I did was um, looked up the Cisco certif- uh, Cisco certified partners in the area, and I just sent them all an email. Nice, and said. <laughs> I'm here, I have these <laughs> certifications, I don't have any experience, let me see what I can do, or is there anything I can do to to get my foot in the door, and that kind of thing. So I got a response from two uh, companies. One was Innovative, um, 
And uh, there was another company who uh, reached out to me. So I actually had the, a conversation with the other company first. And it was a slam dunk. He just said, I'll give you a job. All you have to do is study for these certs, some of these other certs that you need. I'll give you three months. Um, yeah, you're set. And mm -hmm. I'm like, OK, that sounds great. <laughs> and I was going to cancel my my interview here with, J with uh, J Jim and Jason. Uh, from innovative, wow! And um, but then you know, new new to the area, I didn't know if this other company is going to interact with this company. I didn't want to burn bridges, so I'm like, well, I have the interview uh, scheduled. Might as well just honor the you know honor the interview. So uh, we were on Oak Ridge Drive, uh, right by the Meadows uh, ice cream shop back then, and so yeah, showed up, had my interview, and yeah, after the interview, I was just like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to make this decision really hard. Um, oh, man. Because, you know, essentially I had, you know, I, I was set with this other offer, so to speak. And then I just connected with, with the owners at that, you know, at that time. And obviously Jason's still here. Um, I, I can't even say what exactly it was, but there was a connection. And they felt it. I felt it. They were talking about putting a job offer right when I was in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was, you know, it was just a very good, um, very good experience and and then you know after the interview i walked over and had some ice cream <laughs> just thinking about life and what to do and um the most serious ice yeah, cream exactly. of your life yeah <laughs> really good ice cream um and then yeah so i opted to to join this company um the other one but not a business a couple of years afterwards so i think i made the right choice oh, good choice <laughs> <laughs> wow so i mean started from a Basically, a mass email. Yeah. To yeah, I guess I'll take the interview. Yep. And now, you know, a decade yeah. plus <laughs> later, uh, that's that's yeah. a cool story. Yeah. That, yeah, that yeah. To to have there was some force working on you, something in your brain that just oh, told yeah. you. Yep. Because you can't put your finger on it. It was just no. an instinct. Yeah. It was. Like, I mean, the whole conversation, right? Like, so just talking to the guys and getting out of just the technical stuff, right? The so. Uh, talking to music and talking about other things and just having a connection and you know that's kind of been what innovative has been all about the whole you know that family atmosphere and, right and just knowing there are people like the core values kind of showed through right so you can sense it right from hmm. the beginning were innovative's core values defined yet at that no. point okay i was going to mention <laughs> that because we've talked in other episodes a lot of uh, about the eos process and the process right. that we're going through and i know our core values predates mm -hmm. pretty significantly predates that process but it seems to me like even before we defined yes. the core values they were pretty they yeah. were there in spirit there was one uh the uh, perception is reality and must always be managed that was that was defined and actually used to be on our phones. They, they found a way to put the text on our Cisco phones. Um, so that one was, I guess, you know, defined, but everything else is, it was, yeah, it was part of their DNA and our DNA. And it just wasn't written out in, you know, six bulleted points um, <laughs> at that time. Gotcha. So what was that? What was the first job you had? So first job title, I should say. I mean, so as far as job titles go, and this is something we're still working on, um, everybody's just been assistance technician. So gotcha. in that sense, you know, so pretty pretty straightforward. But I would describe my role at that time to have been a very highly certified intern. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so it was unique. Your usual, you know, interns come in with, you know, fresh out of school, not much, no experience and not much schooling. I had I had the schooling, quote unquote, but no experience. 
and you know, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Tyler had some frustrations with me at that back back then because <laughs> I'd walk to a computer and be like, "How do I do this?" Because I just hadn't done that those particular mouse clicks. I I knew conceptually what to do with the schooling and, and the stuff. So you know, in that sense, it was it was overwhel overwhelming to get in on the field, go to customer sites, you know, show that I can do this this work. Um, but really, where the rubber hit the road was in three months. I was doing products. Like, wow. because I was, I had the certifications to do the projects and there, and, and rightfully so there was expectation for me to be able to handle those projects. You know, we would never put an intern now, you know, after three months on a exchange <laughs> migration. And so and that, and there I was, uh, migrating servers, uh, you know, and, and all my training, it came, it came back to me. Hmm. Um, it's like, oh, so this is what they were talking about in the, in the books, um, <laughs> when I click on these buttons. So, so yeah. Did you have any leadership aspirations at that point, or were you just thinking, "I'm just going to be doing this"? Happy to for have a, a job, while. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. At that time, it was no leadership um, aspirations, um, and actually, for a few years after that, even um, it was. I never felt like I was someone who wanted that leadership role. Um, I was. I always said I was a much better follower than a leader. Um, <laughs> And and I, I operated that way for mm -hmm. for a good amount of time. What was Humble. yeah? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously something changed there. Yes. Uh, looking at the position you're in now yep. versus what you're in, you know, yep. like 12, 14 years ago. Yep, yep. Um, what was there a, a period of time? Was there a moment that kind of initiated that shift into wanting to be a leader, maybe having to be a leader? Right. Yeah, um, I'd say so. I was essentially a field technician for five years, um, you know, working on some higher level projects and and whatnot, but also just doing day to day break fix that everybody does. Um, around 2013, I, I transitioned into a role that's more um, essentially just sitting in a room by myself with headphones on and working on uh, online backups and server monitoring, and that's all I did day in and day out. And, and but being in that role allowed me to then kind of observe all the different areas of the department. And I was in that role for about three years, and I, I then started noticing issues, so to speak. And they weren't like it wasn't like anybody was completely dropping the ball or anything like that. It was just, hey, this could be improved. Yeah, these problems could be solved. It this is really not working well. Just these little tweaks. Can can fix that, and also to your earlier point. Um, so so Tyler, obviously he's still here. There was another technician who was essentially like a senior engineer. Uh, he left around 2011. Uh, so when he left, I essentially became like the second, you know, been, who'd been here second longest, so to speak. And so just from that tenure, so to speak, everybody would come to me if if Tyler wasn't available, if Jason wasn't available, they'd come to me. And so I wasn't a leader or a manager per se, but if, if by default they would ask me what to do, and I usually had an, an answer, you know, <laughs> usually the right answer of what to do next. And so, by proxy, I, I kind of had that role, um, not not officially, but anyways. Um, so 2015, I kind of officially got a manager title, but at that point it was just me in my role, and I had another technician who we both worked on online backups and, and monitoring stuff. And then it was just a, a series of quick events that happened. Um, 
we completely re revamped how we do our technician roles in, and we segmented into different uh, departments, so to speak, with the project department and a field service and a help desk and, and, a, and a knock, which is what I was doing. Um, it it just laid laid itself out in the in a matter of two or three months. Um, wow. I, I I saw a, a, an area where I could help a couple of technicians, and so I said, "Hey, why don't I work with them more?" It wasn't in me saying, "Can they report to me or me manage this department?" It's like I can help them out on these things, and so Tyler was like, "Okay, well, let them report to you," and and so then I had three people, um, and then. We revamped the, all the departments, so then we wanted to form a help desk. I was like, "Well, if you give me this other technician, I can make I can essentially handle all remote tickets." So we, I became four people, <laughs> and then um, our service coordinator at that time, he left the company. And then the entire field service team just fell right underneath me. Wow! So all of a sudden, in the, in the space of two or three months, I found myself going from zero really to nine people. Just managing nine people. Wow. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting the point you made earlier about how when you had a chance to really sit back and look, you started to see yep. some things that were, you know, maybe mm -hmm. going wrong, not yeah. not crazy huge issues, right. but things where, oh, if we improve just a little bit in each of these phases, suddenly oh, yeah. we're more productive or more valuable. Yep. Um is so do you think that was where it clicked is just having having perspective really? Yeah, I'd say so. Um because I wouldn't have been able to and because if you're not in that role, you're just running around like a crazy person, right? You're going to customers, you're fixing issues, and you're not really looking at that overarching perspective. Yeah. So. yeah. We have the benefit. I was telling Ryan that we just came out of a kind of a leadership management workshop uh, following one of EOS's models. And we talked a lot about the difference between working on the business and working in the business. Yep. And I think especially when you're a field service technician or even a help desk technician and you're just constantly answering calls and all day long yep. is just responding to customers' needs, you're definitely in it. You're in working in the business. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like when you had time to take that breath, that's when you started working on the business. And Yeah, essentially. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. How much, how much value do you think there was in not only being able to sit back and look but having that prior experience of being in it, because I think, I think oftentimes uh, managers and leaders can, and this this goes for you know big companies, small companies, they're, they're either working almost too hard, they're almost too into the details, yeah. and some of them almost sit back to a point where, hey, we we need you here. Right. Um, how valuable do you think that balance was for you to be able to experience it from both sides, and and how do you manage that today? Maybe not trying to to do too much? That's a really good question. Um, in my mind, I think it was everything. Um, the, the way I approach um, my role and, and everything that I do, uh, I feel comes from that technical background. I mean, uh, you know, obviously there are great leaders out there who they don't necessarily come from those roles. They're able to just kind of step in into any role and, and be a good leader. But the way I operate <laughs> is that's my foundation. Right, so I wouldn't have been able to connect the dots if I wasn't someone who had been in the trenches and worked those late night projects and overnight projects and been the person to go and fix servers in the middle of the night who just you know that completely crashed and and at twenty four hours at a time just staying there and working with vendors and so just having that and it, it kind of also leads into you know breaking that 
that those months of just quick uh, escalation, breaking it down a little bit. There was one situation where I was still just, you know, working in the back room or so, and the service coordinator essentially had to be off for a couple of days. And so they asked me to step into that role just to help out while he was out. And I was like, I can do this really well <laughs> because <laughs> I know what these guys are going through. I know how long this issue is going to take and I can coordinate all oh, that that really important customer went down. I'm going to pull this person off of this issue to make him go there. And and again, it wasn't me trying to be like, hey, I can do this so much better. It was like, hey, when this guy comes back, I can help him elevate what he's doing. And if there was any aspiration or me looking to, you know, climb the ranks, so to speak, or anything, it was just me saying, I can come alongside this person and help him just open his mind on all sorts of these things. And just the way it happened, it, it was a that escalated quickly and <laughs> right, right, up to, right past, um, because I, I really just wanted to be a service coordinator um, and, and solve those issues. And then before I know it, <laughs> there's nine people reporting to me. <laughs> just like that, just turning yep. around, you just wake like up one that. day and it's like, oh, hey, I'm in charge of all these people. Yep. Did you find that there were, um, there were some growing pains with that? Do you ever find that you have to almost, to an extent, there's different cases, obviously, right. different scenarios, almost let people fail a little bit just so they can they can learn and not have their, their hand held? Um, I'd say theoretically, yes. Um, practically, what I was able to do was <laughs> very much not that. Um, because especially, I had to still do my, my old job of the online backups and server monitoring. There's no room for error on those things. Yeah. Um, especially on backups. Like you can't have a backup not or you know fail and not be able to restore. Uh, so the growing pains in that was yeah, during those months of quick escalation, I had to have everything still as operational as possible while looking at hiring, you know, actually the uh, Cody, our current uh, online but he that's I hired him right around that that point and he's still doing that, you know, that job very, very well. Um, but then, you know, that, that's just an example, like that's one layer of, okay, now that's taken care of and training them and figuring that out and then moving on to the next thing and on to the next thing. And then we hired another service coordinator who was able to take care of the field service techs. And yeah, so it was a very, it was a, it was a crunch time. And, and to answer your question from earlier, you know, how do you manage and balance working in the business and on the business as, as Steph said, I mean, that's still a challenge today, right? Um, there's just so much so many um, needs and requirements of your time and people asking questions and things. Um, one thing I did just last week, or no, it was earlier this week, was removing myself from 20 different group chats just because until earlier this week, I was in those group chats with all our technicians when they needed something. I was one of the people among a group of people to address it. And I, you know, I was usually taking a, a backseat role, but if nobody else responded, I was jumping in and, and helping them out. I just uh, transition away from that this weekend. All of a sudden, there's so much less noise. <laughs> Imagine that. And so you you've mentioned how quickly you went from zero to nine direct reports, and I know at one time you had even quite a few more than that oh, under yeah. you. I mean, I want to say I went all the way up to eighteen. Yeah. At one point. So. Wow. Eighteen, and when you talk about you know the size of Innovative, I mean, eighteen where we stand right now is already a huge chunk. I'm right. sure. There were a lot less people working here <laughs> yeah. at that point. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you figure that's, you're looking at 
half, what half of, yeah. half of the company is is under you like that? Yeah, and I'd, I'd say even at this point, I'm a little bit over half of the company. Wow, that's important to me. So day to day, it seems like you've handled it well. And you <laughs> oh, you, you had the want to for it, which is awesome. Right. Um, what are some of the struggles you face that you that are struggles, but you've kind of come to to manage them? Like you have. Like, you know, your job is so much of process and mm-hmm. repeatable processes. Dealing with stressful situations in general, do you kind of have a coping mechanism? Because being in a position like yours mm-hmm. can obviously bring a lot of stress. It's part right. of what comes with these jobs. Absolutely. What's what's your go-to just for being calm or dealing with somebody who's upset? What's, what's your go-to there? At this point, after many years of development and very intentionally moving things and and, and siloing them uh, appropriately. I'd say at this point, my my coping mechanism is to keep work and home life separate. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest things that drives against that in our in our department is the after hours work. Um, and so I'd say back when I was um, directly managing also the after hours work would have been a, the most difficult time in all of that um, because you can't you can't really just disconnect as soon as you have an after hours call you got to kind of you know I may not be the person j- jumping in the car and going although at, at one point I did that too but um, <laughs> as the manager but um, it was it's just been a transition so the years that I had to do and and watch over the the after hours stuff um, but then identifying the next leader who can do that and then and balancing that out okay you, you're watching these calls after after hours or if you're on vacation then i'll watch them for a week or and now currently you know we have three managers um who are overseeing uh so i went from at one point 18 direct reports and currently i have three direct reports so that was a process in itself uh, you know over the last couple of years one by one Training them to manage, you know, each each person. Each one was a warm handoff, you know, because again, it's all about people, right? It's it's people first, right? So making sure that transition happens smoothly, and getting into that transition, you know, you do have to hire people to take on certain responsibilities because eventually, you know, there will be an avalanche. You kind of yes. have to learn how to 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 hand things off to people and trust yep. those people, and you know, we can use this a little bit. We're going to talk about EOS a little bit mm-hmm. today. Um, do you want to talk about what you look for in somebody when you're looking to hand them a certain role or a certain task? Because uh, just from talking to you, I can tell you're you're pretty detail oriented, yes. and so you care a lot about how things are done and making sure they're done correctly. And that can be a lot to hand off to somebody and trust them with that. So, what is something you look for in somebody beyond their resume that makes you want to trust them and, and hire them? Looking for those people skills, I think it, it call, comes down to that. Um, as Steph mentioned, we've had our core values written down, I want to say since 2014, 2015. So that has helped immensely. Um, even before, you know, even before US was a thing in our world, um, we had core values. And so, if the people, if the people who work here uh, embody those core values right off the bat. They're they're so much you know further along than anyone else. Um, when you're hiring someone, it's hard to know whether they're going to uh, follow those core values or not. We 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 try to do a good job. Um, we could be doing a better job, but just trying to explore those core values in the in the in the interviews. But um, everybody in my team so far has risen 
up the ranks, very similar to what I did. Um, all the managers here kind of started at one point, you know, doing, you know, I wouldn't call them, the, I wouldn't say the grunt work because some of them did come with experience, some of them did come with certification. So they came in and, you know, pretty quickly were uh, hitting the ground running. But everybody's been in the trenches, so to speak. And so in that, you, so certain people set themselves apart from others. Not even, again, not intentionally. It's not like they're trying to set themselves apart, but there are going to be these people who are better communicators and better with customers and um, better than me even um, on, in, in many regards. And people gravitate to them as leaders. And so, yeah, it's just a matter of making those, those moves. Um, last year, so I want to say from a period of summer of 2021 to summer of 2022, we had... 15 to 17 role changes in our, in our department, which is nuts because we have 26, 27 people in our department. So if you're <laughs> thinking 15 to 17 role changes, like one person moved to Florida, one person moved departments, one, one moved to Vermont, um, uh, one technician left uh, as a level three technician and then came back as a manager within a space of three months. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And that, that was just, in some senses, was nuts to think that we did all that change in that short period of time, but that's exactly what was happening is people were just sliding and like moving from one place to the next and getting to the right seats, um, you know, and everything in between good reasons, bad reasons. Um, but around fall of last year, it, and part of it was intentional and part of it was just like, we can't handle any more change or as much change anymore. So we need to just slow down on the change. But timing happened, and that's right when we started introducing mm -hmm. uh, uh, traction. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have been able to do traction the previous year. <laughs> it, would have been yeah, I, it was wild, just even keeping up with it from the outside. Yep. Like, wh where is that person? Yep. Do they even live in this state anymore? Yep. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a wild times. Oh my gosh. What? Um, you have made such a successful transition from working in the trenches mm -hmm. side by side with the rest of the team to now, you know, vice president. What advice would you give to somebody who is in that new manager role where, you know, the people that were once their peers, that's sometimes kind of an awkward transition. Um, what advice would you give to somebody going through that transition? Um, I'd say if you're going through the transition, keep it about the people. Um, people first. It's almost like you can't go wrong with that. In any decision you're making, um, any issues, one of the things I always, anytime we got into issues, so you know, being a manager for that many people, you eventually, like, you're essentially a therapist <laughs> to a certain degree <laughs> uh, because people go through so many different things. Um, I found it, it's actually pretty hard to go wrong if, if all your focus is, is making sure they get back to a good mental state, good physical state, like focusing on their health because you can't really expect them to do really well at, at, at a very demanding job if they're not at at least a stable they don't have to be in the, they don't have to be in a peak uh, you know place but at least in a stable place um, where their basics are met and they can they, they don't feel like there's somebody you know breathing down their neck um, now I mean there's a place for that if, if 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 you know if we're having customer issues and that kind of thing but I was able to, um, and, and still going through a couple, you know, people who are having issues even now. But yeah, focusing on on them and their health. Um, eventually, it turns around. They get in a better place. They're very, um, you know, appreciative of of the 
grace that was given and you're just building a team it takes takes a lot of time yeah that, <laughs> i was i was gonna ask that i mean that's not that doesn't feel like a, a philosophy you can just put in place day to day like you can't just wake up one day and be like right. okay now it's it's gonna be all about the people you can put an effort in right it's that we, we talk so much about at, at innovative and i'm sure on this podcast right. in the past about culture mm -hmm. and you know like you said the people are yeah. everything what advice would you give to maybe somebody listening who hears that and maybe wants to to buy into that but also in their mind is thinking you're crazy to think you can <laughs> be somebody's you know for lack of a better right. word boss right but be so caring but also make sure they get their job done yes right. and it's a really good question because if i had to guess um some of the reasons we you know, this is going to sound not great, but some of the reasons <laughs> we put up, quote unquote, with some, um, you know, maybe not as well performing technicians or employees was because maybe too much grace on, on certain things. But again, at the end of the day, if your focus is truly that you want this person to succeed, like not just at work, but just in life, um, yes, you may err on the side of maybe too much grace. But I think that's where things like traction and EOS come, because all it is is it gives you clarity, right? It's not telling you you have to do anything with anybody specifically. Um, you don't have to let them go based on X, Y, Z. Like it's not telling you what to do. It's just giving you a very clear guideline. Of, yeah. If this happens, well, this is probably where you have to go with it, and and then it just gives you that kind of like progression. So. You, you know, you mentioned, can you wake up one day and just start being more caring? I guess it depends on on your on the on the overarching leadership of that company, right? Um, if 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 a leader has enough autonomy in their department, I think they can. I think they can wake up one morning and just say, you know what, my team's suffering, or this person is suffering. I'm going to give them some grace. Now, if they happen to have EOS or some some good strong um, from their leadership. Uh, some good strong framework on guardrails for that, and I think that's that's the best of both worlds. Where you have the guardrails, you have the the things that don't let you go too far one you know one way or the other, right. and then it, it gives you some where you're not going for months and months and years and years, and then that's unfair to the rest of the team as well because there are other people who are coming in giving more, you know, 110 percent just to compensate for someone who may not be coming in at full full capacity, and so. Yeah, I was going to ask that, um, and we can get into those guidelines, and you know, I'm sure they'll help answer the question. But it's still a big question, um, very case by case, you know, scenario based of right. of where is that line of I've helped you as much as I could. I understand mm -hmm. you, you mm -hmm. might be going through something mm -hmm. real difficult in your life versus like the, your job's not getting done right. and it's, it's hurting us. Yeah. Where where do you where do you draw that line? Because I, I imagine that there can be some really difficult decisions that need to be made there, and, and certain certain circumstances. Right. So I think 90% of the of EOS and you know those those guidelines is just knowing what they are and communicating it. Because three, four years ago, everybody knows this person isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. But that's just the extent of the conversation. You're not really able to give them good guidelines of so you know if we wanted to get into the, the traction um, a, a little bit what they talk about is the, the people analyzer and the um, the right person, right seat, right? So essentially, 
you're you're placing everybody on on a scale of how well they adopt the core values, and then it's do they get do they get it do they want it and do they have the capacity to uh, do they have the capacity? So using that framework is the mechanism to communicate what needs to improve. And so far, most of the conversations we've had, they either are able to improve. And if, they're, if they don't, you know, there are some other options to train and, and that kind of thing. But at least our success stories, we, we have more success stories so far than, than none. But, but even the ones that, even if they don't work here anymore, so to speak, it's still not a complete failure because we are giving them clarity. This isn't a job-deprived industry by all means. They can <laughs> easily go find some really good uh, careers. So even in that, I don't consider that a failure. Um, but then, like I said, just introducing the idea to you know, the people who need to work on things and, and improve is 90% of the battle. And once they hear it and they understand it, and they know what they need to improve, they know what to work on. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like, um, I mean, obviously, if somebody doesn't want it, like that's right. whether you're whether you're struggling or not, if you don't want right. to be here, you're probably not a great fit. Right. But if it's a capacity, if it's because they're struggling with something else, is creating that capacity issue. I know one of the things that we implemented here. I don't. I don't know if all EOS companies do this, but basically, if if you're lacking in capacity to do the job right now, we at least need to put a plan and a deadline yes. on it. And that I think just really gives people such clarity around. I'm going through this. Right. I'm given this timeline to figure right. it out. I'm given resources to figure it out. And I am given a deadline by, hey, we're with you. We want to support yeah. you, but like we still need you to do X, Y, Z, and we right. need you to be here by this day. And it's collaborative, which I think is really cool, a, a cool way and yeah. a, a cool outcome. Yeah, and you know, I think we can still. I can personally still hold on to my, my my goal of keeping people first and keeping it all about the health of the person because it, it, it all fits together. And at the end of the day, everybody comes out, you know, doing better. Right. I think that I could even circle back around to our, our, our conversation about um, dealing with stress, mm -hmm. you know, because if you're having a rough, stressful day, and they feel that that's gonna that's oh, yeah. just that trickles down. They, it, there's just no way around it. It's gonna you, you can sit around and say, well, you know, you know, boss man's having a rough day, or whatever. <laughs> you know, the the old you know office right. TV show cliche right. or whatever. But um, people feel that. So I think um, it's important not just for yourself to be able to to deal with those things, but to be able to to deal with stress or, or whatever the emotion might right. be for your for your own leadership yeah. for your own employees. Absolutely. I'm curious. I have to ask, what was your original major that you decided to switch from? <laughs> the <laughs> same thing. <laughs> Electrical engineering. Okay. Okay. So not, yeah. not no, wildly different. It, it was basically came down to if I wanted to make a career out of it, I need to I needed to uh, get a master's degree. Okay. And at that point, you know, I had all sorts of finances was, was going to be a thing, and I just gotten married, and all sorts of things. I was just like, I need to get into a job that can pay good money, has a good, you know, strong future. And computers aren't going anywhere. And so, yep. <laughs> using uh, using your experience, let's say there's somebody who is that, that young Alex coming to Innovative for the first time. And at that point in their career, they want to be a leader mm -hmm. and they want to climb the ranks from day one. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give them starting that job to uh, day one, they need to go in and what do they need to do 
what what habits do they need to form day one to, to to move up the ranks? I'd say, again, this is speaking from my experience, right? So I, I personally have not been the person to um, want to climb the rank, <laughs> yeah, climb the ladder, and, and and that kind of stuff. But I mean, there's nothing wrong with somebody having those aspirations. Um, and usually, the people who have that, they they already come in with you know strong communication skills and, and confidence levels. Um, I'd say that. From my perspective, learn as much as you can. Um, again, I know there are leaders who can jump in into a role and not have much technical background or you know subject matter background and then do really well. But from my perspective, I'd say learn as much as you can about the subject matter. And if the more that they're in the trenches, the more empathy they're going to have for the people who who they lead uh, afterwards. There's going to be even someone who quote unquote isn't a manager. And I, like I spoke, like I mentioned earlier. I wasn't a manager for, you know, seven years, eight years, um, but I was leading. I was leading in in many different levels. Um, if I was the leader of a of a project, on so on a, any given basis, uh, a one week to three week time frame, I might have two or three people following my lead on on this plan or whatnot. I mean, that's another thing, really cool thing about innovative. It's it's so modular. Anybody can be a leader to anyone based on the the, the task at hand. But anyways, um, I think having the goal of keeping people first, I think is to me the, the biggest thing. And then just looking for ways to solve problems. Um, what can you do to make this issue or this task run more smoothly? Um, and I think that, if you if that those are your goals and those are your your you know ideals, then the leadership and the opportunities just pretty much come to you based on the growth of that company, and that's another big piece of it, right? So if a company is intentionally staying at a certain level, there may not be that many opportunities to to grow, um, and so then you know someone who's really looking for those those opportunities may need to find some other spot. But for a company that is very strong on growth. Um, I think those roles just automatically come in. Yeah, that that kind of leads me right into what I was going to ask you. Actually, so that's a great Sweet. great segue there. Um, what has it been like? I mean, we've talked about your growth through your journey here at Innovative. Mm -hmm. What has it been like being a part of Innovative, a company that's grown so much and evolved so much, particularly within the last few years? Mm -hmm. It's it's been amazing. Um, I'd say I feel like I'm repeating myself too much. I go back to the core values. <laughs> the reason. We're able to hold our heads high on just what anything we do is that level of integrity that we that we run with. I mean, and the thing with IT and these you know these servers and networks that you put together, your sins will find you <laughs> if you don't do something right seven years ago. That stupid little checkbox that you didn't check or somebody didn't check will come out and bite somebody somewhere at some point because it's these things just. You know, it's it's garbage in, garbage out. So if if I, it happened to me, like I, there were projects I did as a you know new technician, and I kind of glazed over some details, and then when that server was getting pulled out seven years afterwards, somebody was having a heck of a time because I didn't do something right, and that you know that that kind of stuff really. Um, so it's it's. I also kind of thought, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> just being being a part of a company that's oh, that's grown so yes. much and is right. really not just grown but evolved. Yeah. So again, it, because 
we are able to do things at such a high level and with such integrity, we can hold our heads high in just about any situation, right? Like, so if somebody comes in and says, you did this and this and this wrong or whatever, or they didn't like it for some reason, we have good reasons why we did those things. And, and yeah, if we make mistakes, we, we own up to that and, and we get, get past that. But um, having that assurance, we've gotten through some of the craziest things as as a company and some really difficult situations, situations that in, you know, ha having um, leadership, so Jason and Tyler and, you know, that level, always having your back, just about everything you do, as long as you're not going out and cussing at the customer <laughs> or, or losing their data or something negligent. <laughs> yeah. Um, they have your back and, and then just being able to rest. And it took me a few years to fully trust that, like, you know, because again, you work in more toxic environments where people are always out to get you and always kind of throw you under the bus and stuff. And you're always guarding and hold, you know, watching, trying to guard your back. But it took me a few years to finally trust that. And then at that point it's like, okay, now I can be free. I can kind of do what I want. Um, you know, with full assurance that I'm not going to be blown up about, you know, doing this, this yeah. in a certain way. And I think that that all plays in. I mean, I think there's, there's two main thing, two main takeaways today from this conversation would be first off core values are mm -hmm. amazing. Yep. And I mean, is there, is, is there any company that, that shouldn't have core <laughs> values? Like, and, uh, part of the core values and it can be the other pillar here is, is people first. Yes. And I, I think you made a great point there about negligence where yes, you can look at, you know, some numbers or a scorecard right. or, right. or a survey, whatever it might be. And there could be something bad there. Right. But at the end of the day, context can matter. That's okay. If the person cares, and thought they were doing mm -hmm. their best and tried their best and yeah. failed. You can always teach somebody something. Oh, yeah. You can always, if if it becomes a habit, you know, right. maybe they need some more hands-on teaching, <laughs> or maybe they need a different role. Yes. Like it's okay if if the if the person is is there, right. you know, the job can be adjusted, yep. the job can be improved. So I think that's important context there. I mean, I think a lot of humanity can get lost oh, in yeah. in just business in general. So I think. Um, that's, that's a huge takeaway and, you know, common sense would tell you like, yeah, sure. Let's put some people first and like, right. let's, let's care about others. But, um, that can be kind of a radical idea for some. Um, <laughs> well, and so one thing I'll add uh, to what you said is, is knowing to do it and, and having it in theory, but actually doing it, like it's two different things, like core values, again, like to your point, why would a company not have core values? Okay. Let's rattle off some core values. But are you really? Is it True. in your? Is it in your conversations? Like we again in our team, people challenge each other all the time and be like, "Hey, you know, is this in the best interest of the customer?" Or you know, fast and agile. Like those terms just are so in our built into our day to day. Yeah, that's speech. a good. That's a good point to make there because I think you probably could find oh, some yeah. companies who it's, it's just on their website and like, yep, nobody there could tell yep. you what a single one is. Right. So yep. I think that's important. Right. Um, context to add and i think that's probably a good note to wrap up on there um sure. you know leave people with caring and kindness and <laughs> <Absolutely>. uh <laughs> rainbows and butterflies <laughs> uh thank you alex yes. for coming you. on this has been this has been awesome Very um cool. got a lot out of this conversation we got you out of the we got you out of yeah. the tech speak we got you talking <laughs> about people and, and leadership so 
Uh, that's awesome. Thank you, Steph, for Absolutely. being a great co-host thank as you. always. And thank you listeners for tuning in to this episode of the Innovative Leadership Podcast. We will talk to you next time.